You all came to hear an inspiring message tonight, didn't you? I hope uh, I get one. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this uh, beautiful day. I'm so grateful that uh, you bring us all together to, to come to know you, to learn more about you, and to just praise you, Lord. And thank you for the word and um, what it does to touch our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm a... Uh, Pulled a section out of Matthew 9 to talk through tonight. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just read the passage, and then we'll, uh, we'll get into it. Um, Jesus got into a boat. He crossed over and came to his own town. Just then, some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take courage, son. Your sins are forgiven. On seeing this, some of the scribes said to themselves, this man is blasphemy. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said, why do you harbor evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, get up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man got up. And went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and glorified God who had given such authority to men. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Later, as Jesus was dining at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat? with tax collectors and sinners. On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So this passage of scripture is a part of Jesus' ministry across, is crisscrossing across Galilee. Um, in earlier chapters here in Matthew, chapters 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount, which some of the parallel gospels put after these other accounts of chapter 8 and chapter 9. But um, he's gone in chapter 8, uh, Matthew sh- uh, demonstrates or, or uh, talks about how Jesus is, is teaching and he's healing and he's casting out demons and even demonstrates the power over the weather when he calms the storm. Um, here we're in chapter nine. Jesus is returning to his own town, which is Capernaum. And, uh, and, and in the middle of this, um, he calls Matthew to follow him and he becomes one of the, one of the twelve. Matthew records here how Jesus uh, responds to three different groups of people. That's how I'm going to break this up tonight. He's talking about, he's talking with the scribes and the Pharisees. Um, we talk a little bit about the paralytic and the men who brought him. And we're going to talk about the sinners and the tax collectors. One of the cool things is that Jesus used a lot of contrast to simplify the truths of salvation. This first group, the scribes and the Pharisees, um, in verses 2 through 8, he describes them as uh, the scribes as harboring evil in their hearts. They did not recognize Jesus' claims to be the Son of Man. And it brings us to, to a point that why was physical healing such a a big part of Jesus' ministry, and that was so that he could establish his authority. Jesus did so um, by demonstrating his power over sickness right here in Matthew verse 6, 9 verse 6. 
and the crowds were filled with awe to glorify God. He demonstrated in his power over death later in Matthew chapter 9, when he went to the synagogue leader's house to resurrect his dead daughter. And then the prophecy is fulfilled from Isaiah 35, 5 and 6. that says the coming Messiah would bring physical healing for the blind, the deaf, the lame, and the mute. The Pharisees, along with the scribes, seemed like they had one job, and that was to qualify the Messiah. The problem was they were bound to observe and uphold the law. And uh, seeing Jesus fellowshipping with sinners and tax collectors didn't seem to be in line with, with their idea of a, a Messiah. When they questioned him, uh, I think Jesus, it's one of his most brilliant metaphors when he tells them that it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. These Pharisees are, are blinded by the law. They're, they don't recognize their need for forgiveness, and they certainly don't recognize Jesus as the forgiver. And Jesus uses yet another brilliant contrast to drive this point further when he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He tells them to go and learn what this means. He gives them homework because they failed to utilize all of the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. Look at Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. And on their heart, I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Also in Ezekiel, let's look at Ezekiel 36, 36. 26 and 27. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. And then there's Isaiah 53, and and we're pretty much talking about the whole thing there. They could not reconcile the Messiah if they did not remember these prophecies. And until then, all they could do is disqualify the Messiah. The next group of people, the paralytic and the men who brought him, little is really said about the the paralytic uh, or the men, but but Jesus saw their faith. How do you think the, the paralytic felt when they laid in there and Jesus declared, your sins are forgiven? Was he, was he expecting the healing or, or was he expecting, uh, I, I think maybe both. I think that um, these men had heard the stories or maybe one of them even experienced uh, and watched him do these things uh, in Galilee. And so they believed what he had uh, was real and they carried this man to Jesus. Jesus didn't make him wait long. He forgave him and healed him. What What is the qualifier? What is the one thing that Jesus points out about these men? It's their faith. They acted on their belief in his power. They carried this man because they loved him like Jesus would. 
this was a faith worthy of forgiveness. Another reason physical healing was such a big part of his ministry was that Jesus had compassion and a desire to remove suffering. I'd bring up a scripture reference there, but I think you could just throw a rock at the New Testament and find scriptures about Jesus' compassion. Jesus wants you to bring your needs to him. In John 6, 35, he says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And then there are the sinners and the tax collectors. They came to fellowship with Jesus. They were drawn by his kindness and his love. And Jesus is here for them, the sick who are in need of a physician. This group of people did not yet have that faith that he saw in the men in the paralytic. And he wants them to know him. He fellowships with them. He breaks bread with them. It makes me think of uh, Acts chapter 2. It talks about the early church. And we all know about them selling all their possessions and no one had a want. But I never realized this second half of this uh, section of verse in verse 46 and 47, when he says, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Do we save people by having lunch with them? No, but um, I think. Learning more about Jesus is the key. The um, Matthew illustrates in chapter 9 here how Jesus sees us and how we should see us. I mean, it's the gospel. There's the need and the know and the ask. The scribes and Pharisees did not recognize their own need for forgiveness. They were bound by the law and sacrifice and their own efforts. They did not see themselves as sinners in need of a savior. I realized as a new husband that I was not enough. I needed what Jesus was offering, and I wanted to fellowship with him. I realized that Jesus did not come to accept the qualified. He came to qualify the unacceptable. What is it about the men in the paralytic that demonstrated their faith? They believed that Jesus was who he said he was. In John 3.17, Jesus himself says, Eternal life is to know the one true God and the Son whom he sent. What, what's the one action word there? It's to know. It's not the know like I knew my roommate or I know who George Washington is. This is an ongoing know. It's a relationship. It's a intimacy. The only relationship we have on earth that even comes close to that is to know your spouse. And then we need to ask. We come to Jesus because he can't, we can't do it on our own. He gives mercy and forgiveness freely to those who need it and know him. I'm going to close with Romans 10, 9 through 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Thank you.